0: If you weren't here last week, we, we just we talked really quickly about Nehemiah chapter 1. There's like 10,000 things in there. But, but just, just really quickly, uh, Nehemiah was, was, uh, became aware of the fact that the people of Israel were broken down and their walls were destroyed. Their gates were destroyed. The city of Jerusalem was, was completely in shame. And so so his heart was broken for that, and he realized he's got to do something, all right and so so that's where we're at in the story. Nehemiah is is literally praying and mourning and fasting and all of this stuff to, uh, to to hopefully gain the favor of the king of Persia to be able to go to Jerusalem to help rebuild the walls. all right so that's where we're at. Um, and, and before we jump into scripture let's just take a quick moment and just 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 speak a, a word of prayer over this uh, Holy Spirit have your way help us to usher in your presence God as, as you have already shown up in in such a, a real way God I, I just pray that you would just remain and, and and even just like how your your presence in the Old Testament would would, would show up in a pillar of fire at night and a cloud uh, God in the day Lord I pray that 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 same cloud would just envelop us and just just wash and just just walk all over us God today help our hearts and minds to be open to seeing your move holy spirit have freedom today God we love you in your name amen all right so so let's unpack Nehemiah chapter 2 real quick i'm going to i'm going to run through a few things so in in chapter 2 starting in verse 1 and 4 uh, 1 through 4 it says this in the month of Nissan, or Nissan, if you like foreign vehicles, in the 20th year of the King Artaxerxes' reign, when wine was before him. Okay, so Nehemiah was the cupbearer. Remember that. He was the guy that took the, the, the wine to the king, and he would take a test drink of the wine before the king would receive it. And the reason he did that is because if it was poisoned, Nehemiah was the fall guy. He was the one who was going to die first. So uh, him, and, him and the king had a pretty good relationship if if you're drinking wine with the king, right? And so he took the wine and gave it to the king. says, now I had not been, this is Nehemiah, now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why? Is your face sad, seeing that you're not sick? King's saying, listen, man, you better not be sick because you just drank out of my cup, and I'm getting ready to take a drink out of his cup. No, nah, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, Nehemiah, something's up, man. It says, I hadn't been sad in his presence, meaning I haven't been depressed. Now, remember from chapter 1. Four months, four to five months has passed since Nehemiah realized that Jerusalem, Jerusalem was in ruin, and his heart was broken, and he mourned and prayed and fasted for four to five months, and yet he had not been sad in the presence of the king. There's a couple reasons for that. Number one, because if Nehemiah would have been sad in the presence of the king, the king could punish him could kick him out, could have him killed, because in those days, if you displeased the king in any way, shape, or form, the king could say, done, go to the dungeon, you're going to die, whatever the king wanted, the king got. And so Nehemiah tried his best for months to not allow his mourning to affect his job, and, and so so this day, four months to five months later, the weight is heavy, all right? since understand the tension of this moment that's happening right now. It says, the king told him, this is nothing but sadness of heart. You're depressed, Nehemiah. He said, then I was very much afraid. You see, Nehemiah knew where he stood. He knew he was in the king's presence and the king could potentially be displeased with him and and especially if Nehemiah gets to actually tell the king that he's sad for Jerusalem because Jerusalem was in Persia it was a part of the a part of the Persian empire and so if Jer, uh, if if Nehemiah gets the opportunity to say hey I want to go back and rebuild the walls remember that city that you guys conquered A couple hundred years ago, yeah, I want to rebuild it back. Why do you want to rebuild it back? Well, I don't know. I just want to rebuild it back. I don't think the king would take too kindly to somebody going and fortifying a city that he helped destroy, that he was the empire, the king over, and then he's going to send somebody to build up another nation? I don't think so. So Nehemiah's freaking out a little bit. Understand the tension of this moment. Four to five months of prayer, four to five months of mourning, of fasting, and then all of a sudden, he gets this opportunity to stand in front of the king and share what is going on. This is a tense moment. So what does Nehemiah do? He says, let the king live forever. You know how uh, whenever we're getting ready to do something that could potentially cause some major conflict, we always start with something really nice. Hey, king, man, I really like that robe. It brings out your eyes. <laughs> Did I mention I've saved your life a couple times, right? I'm drinking the wine and stuff. Me and you, we're friends, right? We always do that, like like try to soften the blow, right? But he says, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king Said to me, What do you want? What do you want, Nehemiah? (laughs) And then this little verse. So I prayed to the God of heaven. As if four to five months of mourning and fasting and praying were not enough, he ends this conversation before he steps into what he's really asking for with, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Friends, we have to understand who the source is. We've got to recognize the source if we're going to fully step into a movement that God is in control of and that God is moving and pushing forward, God has to be the one that gets the glory. God has to be the center of the whole thing. And I love this. He prayed for four to five months, but yet right before he gets ready to have this conversation, it says, then I pray to the God of heaven as if to, show, to throw up a signal flare one more time. God, I want this to be about you. This is your thing. This is your movement. If you're in it, you will empower this to move forward. We have to know who the source is. Because guess what? This was out of Nehemiah's hands. He wasn't in control of this situation. He was a measly cup Bearer That connects I feel like a lot of times with us. And here we are, right? Who are we? <laughs> We're just little ants on the face of the planet walking around. What does my life mean? What does it matter? Does this decision really make a difference in light of eternity? Yes, it does. God wants you. God wants to empower you to be a part of his movement. God wants to ignite you to do something crazy, not for your glory or your kingdom, but for his. We have to embrace God as the source, and we're a part of the story of him. But here's the catch. <laughs> God does the heavy lifting. God does everything. What's Nehemiah done up until this point? Pray. It's all he's done. Not all he's done, he's done the right thing. Man, so many times we just get consumed by life and we forget that we're connected to the source. So here's my question What? are you doing right now that you need God to come through? Where are you at right now where you desperately need God to show up in a powerful way like this beyond your control? What in your life is going on right now that you could say, I've got no control over this. It's out of my hands. The only option that I have at this point is to pray, God, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) I got nothing. God, this is all you. Because here's the thing. If you don't have an answer to that question, or if your answer is self-motivated, then there's a problem. If you're wanting God to come through because you need that new Ferrari, God, it's out of my hands. Give me the Ferrari. You know, I've been praying for like 25 years now. Come on, God. I need that million-dollar house. Right? I could really get to my appointments faster if I had that private jet, God, or the $100,000 job or whatever it is. If it's self motivated, man, you're in the wrong seat. There's a problem. (laughs) Man, where do you need God to come through? For me, it's downtown High Point. Like, it's out of my control, it's out of my hands. Every day I walk away with like this, this just heaviness, not cause, not cause I feel like that, that, that I've got all this leadership and all these things to do, but just, just the spirit is just thick <laughs> as I'm a father raising my kids, man. That, I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel on that one. Cause whenever I do, my kids go nuts. Now, where are you praying? God, I need you to come through. Maybe it's a friend or a family member that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe it's a broken marriage or a friend's broken marriage that you're mourning and praying for. And maybe it's some kind of miracle, whatever. I want to challenge you. This is a practical thing to do. Keep a prayer journal. Like, go out today, tomorrow. Get one. Get a journal, a clean slate. Get a piece of paper and start writing stuff in it because you don't know how God answers prayers unless we're tracking it, unless we can actually see it show up. So you want to see God's goodness? We got to pray. We got to watch. We got to open our eyes to it. You want to embrace God's goodness? Pray. Pray. Go to him, recognize him as the source. So, so watch this in in verse eight. All right, so so the king. I, I'm going to jump ahead. The king went ahead and and told Nehemiah, "You're good. You can take some people. You can take a, a few little army guys. You can take some supplies, and you can start building the walls." All right, I'm going to commission you to do that, Nehemiah, because because you're a good you're a good man. All right, so in verse eight, look at this. It says, the king granted me what I asked for, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Now get this, like 10 seconds earlier, for four and a half months, Nehemiah is praying and mourning and broken and overwhelmed with sorrow and depressed to the point that the king notices it. And in a split second, all of his prayers showed up in this moment. He was tracking with God. (laughs) Here's the thing. God's plan didn't change. Nehemiah's heart did. As you pray and you connect to the vine like it says in the new testament jesus said abide in me as we learn to abide and be in god pray to god live in his presence then we start seeing more and more of how he's showing up and then the requests that we're asking for become more and more like his heart so get this show look at this show this uh picture this is, once again, this is like so scientific and mathematical and, and intense, it's going to blow your minds as soon as it gets up there in three, two, one. All right. It's like third grade level. All right. But here it is. On one side, you have God's story. Okay. God's story is always going. It's always happening. God is the author of today. He is writing the history of earth. It is his story that we're a part of. That is true reality. And then on the other side, there's my agenda. My agenda is my perceived reality. My perceived reality in my own little Brent world is my reality. (laughs) But sometimes what I perceive and what I think is real actually is not what's going on at all. Because sometimes our agenda can be off-centered from God's. So here's the sweet spot. When God's story and our agenda touches, (laughs) when what I want to happen and what God wants to happen touch, that is where you see tangible evidences of God's presence on this earth. Nehemiah just experienced this. God, I think you want me to go rebuild Jerusalem. God, I think you're asking me to do this. I know that you've put this in my heart. I'm praying, God, that you would just work it out for four to five months. I'm praying, God, please work this out. And then boom. (laughs) God's true reality, his story that he's orchestrating and Nehemiah's desire, pew, intersected, and he went from being mourning and sad to one of the most confident leaders in the Old Testament because he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the good hand of God was upon him. You want to see God's good hand in your life intersect with true reality. The only option we have is to pray. The only source of connection that we have is to bend our knees and go, my agenda is worthless, God. In actuality, that picture is wrong. Let me tell you why. God's story circle is like 100 million times bigger. And my agenda circle should be a teeny little bitty dot. But unfortunately, what we do is we tend to make our agendas as big as God's story. We try to write our story on top of God's story and say God's telling us to do it. Our agenda has to shrink and his true reality has to expand. That is how we begin to see the true goodness of God. We've got to develop the ability to embrace the good hand of God. And the only way we get there is by connecting to him in prayer. It's a direct line. So Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. He's commissioned by the king. And he goes there, and he is there for three days hanging out. And it says this in verse 12. Look at this. Look at this. It says, then I arose in the night. All right, so he did it when no one was looking. Uh, Nehemiah gets up in the night, and uh, he took a few men with him. He says, I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. And the, the officials didn't know. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Hang on. Let me back up a minute. That's verse 12. All right, so let's fast forward to verse 16. Look at this. It says, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work what God had laid on his heart. I want to give you a leadership principle right now. We're taking this straight out of a page of Nehemiah's personal journal. It's this, leaders go first. Leaders go first. When you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's good hand is upon you, you can step forward in confidence regardless of who's following. He went in the night, walked around the city, got a vision for how this was going to be accomplished. That is what we have got to do. Some of you might be in a, a night season right now in your life. God might be birthing something in your heart, and, and he's working. He's tilling the soil of your heart, and you know if, if I'm talking to you, you know God is birthing something in you. You may not know exactly what it is yet, but you're wrestling with, man, I've got I to do something. i got to step out. Only do so in the confident power of prayer empowered by God's spirit. Leaders always go first. So prayer is how we get willing to go first. That's how we become willing to lead, all right? And then we see the physical stuff. And then the other part is this, God placed it in Nehemiah's heart. We cannot confidently move forward without knowing that God has placed something in our heart. And you know how you know it? Through prayer. It's the key. That's how we know that God has placed something deep in our heart, and I love this part, like this is so cool. when verse 16 says that the Jews and the priests and the nobles and the officials and all that stuff did not know that they were getting ready to do the work, like this is perfect um, imagery that I, I believe for Hope City. like this is part of our, our mission is this: it's all inclusive. The Jews, the nobles, the priests, the blue-collar workers, everybody is welcome to the party. God is getting ready to move in a powerful way, and we want everybody to be a part. We want everybody to experience Him in such a powerful way. His message is all-inclusive. It wasn't just the nobility that was going to throw some money at building the wall. And it wasn't just the blue-collar workers that were going to put the hammers to the wall. Nehemiah saying, I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care what color you are. I don't care where you come from. Grab a hammer. Start banging away. And we're going to see God do something miraculous. That's what he's asking of us. (laughs) And so to convince the Jews, what Nehemiah did was this. Look at verse 18 with me. He says, and I told them of the hand of my God (laughs) that had been upon me for good. And also of the words of the king that he had spoken to me. And what did the Jews say? Let us rise up and build. Man. If you can stand confidently in the presence, when God's story and our agenda intersect, and you know that God is empowering you to do something, you can tell others of God's good hand. You have a story to tell. Do you believe God's good? Then you have a story to tell. You have something that God is birthing in you, whether it's being a better parent or whether it's leading 100 million people or whether whatever it is, God's birthing something in you to give to other people to share how good God's hand is. So my question is this. Who needs to know? In your circle, in your sphere of influence, the people that you're around, who needs to know of the good hand of God? The only way that we're going to be able to do that is through intense prayer. Lowering our agenda, making His story the ultimate goal of our life. And guess what? <laughs> when you give something to people worth living for, they will rise up and build. And I love this because it says, the last part of this verse, so they strengthen their hand for the good work of God. They were invited to be in God's story. to be a part of his work God empowers us God is orchestrating this story of how he's moving in the communities of High Point and Thomasville and Winston and Greensboro he's all over the face of this planet and his presence is here now so what are you going to do are you going to rise up and strengthen your hand for the good work? Are you going to step into that calling? Whatever that is that you know that God has been telling your heart to do? Some of you in this room need to pick up a hammer and go to work. Some of you in here know exactly what God is calling you to. And it's time to stop waiting, pick up a hammer and go to work, telling others of how good God is along the way and watching people rise up and build alongside you, telling the story of God's goodness along the way. Some of you, you're not there yet. maybe some of you, you jump right to the hammer and you start swinging and you realize you're swinging at stuff that doesn't need to be swung at and you're hitting bricks and stuff's chipping away on you and and, and the walls are breaking down. Some of you need to, as one of my friends would say, snuggle up to Jesus. Some of you need to go in your prayer closet, get alone, and say, God, I want to rise up. But my agenda's too big. My story is actually eclipsing yours. I keep trying to pick the hammer up when, all I, when I really just need to lay down and just stop and just mourn and pray and just be in your presence. You to strengthen your hand for the good work. So, here's what I want to do. The rest of the band, you guys come on up. We're we're going to leave our heads up and our eyes open. Here's the challenge lean in to Jesus, lean in (laughs) to God's presence today, right now. We have one up on Nehemiah. We have the Holy Spirit of God present, empowering us all the time. We have an X factor. We have weapons, spiritual warfare to take this community by storm. So I want to challenge you right now. Lean in. This song is, is so appropriate. It's called Closer. Man, that's a, as I was thinking about this, I looked it up, I looked up the, the little thing that we have that tells what songs we're playing. I'm like, God, you're ridiculous, man. <laughs> it's like you're orchestrating this thing. Man. So what I want you to do is as we sing this song, this is our makeshift altar. Some of you need to just pray. Some of you need some people to pray with you. Some of you know exactly what it is that God is asking you to do, and you need to be anointed to do that. You need to be prayed over to step in to have the confidence to step into whatever God is asking you to do. So if you are on the ministry team today, you're you're on. We're praying for people today. So as we sing this song, this altar is open and I want you to stand confidently and come up to this place, kneel before a holy God and give him whatever it is that you need to give so that you can rise up and build. Holy Spirit, move as we sing your praises today, God. Would you stand with me and sing this song?